welcome everybody on today's Story of Software podcast. Today we have a fantastic guest, Ever, who is the creator, CTO and CPO at Unleash, which is an open source feature management software built largely with the focus for end large enterprises. And he's here today to talk to us about his experience in creating Unleash, building it from scratch, all the lessons learned, how to navigate to efficiently work with software. So, Ivor, welcome. Thank you for coming and great to have you today. I'm happy to be here, Ricky. I'm, I'm very looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. So we'll just dive in with a quick intro. So can you tell us about your, I suppose, your first job within the tech industry and how your career has, has ultimately led to you creating Unleash? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I started kind of fresh out of university. I started my career in a very large financial institution here in Norway. I learned a lot about how to craft great software. Kind of, there was a lot of very bright people there and, and great engineers, but I also learned a bit about how to not ship software, kind of how you should not operate kind of the deployment of software to the production and. And this was the, the thing that really got to me. So, so, so obviously we, we had monthly, sometimes bi-monthly releases. And, and the way we operated that was that, uh, yes, we could test them in, in local environments and test environments and all of that. But when we felt like this is ready, this is something that we actually want to put in front of actual users. The way we did that was to zip it all together. And we wrote a manual kind of release script, click this button in this UI in the application server, upload the WAR file here and migrate the database this way. And humans, we do mistakes. So even writing this release script was super hard because it could be like a minor detail that we forgot to explain. And the person on the other side, they didn't know anything about their application. And, and it was terrible. And if something went wrong, obviously their procedure was to just cancel it, roll it back. And your next opportunity a month later. Oh God. Okay. Sounds like you lived in quite a bit of pain or lived some painful moments with the way that was. Uh, it was horrible, but it kind of, it drove me nuts. And I tried to improve on this. At some point, I just had to move on. So I ended up later in my career in, in a company called Findotano, which is a leading classified marketplace in Norway. And even when I joined that company, uh, we did one release per month. So it wasn't great, but at least they had a plan. They wanted to move into this progressive kind of continuous delivery type of mindset. And, and they had a plan. They started executing on that. And, and I was lucky enough to be part of this journey. Kind of how do you get from monthly releases where it's a big thing? You have to release nice. You have to bring all the engineers together and kind of do all the things to kind of get the application up and running again with a new version into something more continuous. And. Obviously, there is a lot of DevOps, there's a lot of tools, there's a lot of automation to get to that point. It was very exciting. And we used about a year to get to that point where we could release to production whenever we wanted, in theory. But that was also the challenge and, and which led me to actually start looking into a tool like Unleash. Because yes, we could release whenever we wanted, but... We didn't. And why did we not do that? And, and we had weekly sprints and we had the, like, we wanted to release something every week. But you know, building software is hard. It usually when you're building something a bit more complicated, when you depend on other teams to build something more advanced, of course, it takes some time, some effort to build something that is meaningful to enable and, and put in front of your users. 
And what this led to was obviously us holding back releases. We used feature branches to protect those features and because we had to keep the main branch clean because we wanted the capability to kind of do rapid bug fixes and all of that. But it also meant that collaborating with others became very hard. Showing our progress to our stakeholders was really hard. And you still had the risk of putting it into production. And that could be kind of production data that was slightly different. The usage pattern was slightly different. So you still had the risk of it not working in production. Amazing. And as you're explaining to me, it just makes so much sense. It's very smart and impactful problem. You know, what you're actually solving makes a ton of sense and you're obviously you know very close to the industry now and particularly with Unleashed do you see do you come across lots of businesses and enterprises that are still doing it you know the way you learned uh, that you did initially earlier in career or have they actually evolved into more your your thinking how, how are you actually seeing the market now and seeing the market as it's in moving, I see that a lot of companies want and have understood the value of DevOps and and looking into how they can automate more of the processes. But we are still not there yet. It's still a lot of manual work that should be automated. And there is still part of the process is very kind of suboptimal. Like there's still room for improvements in many places in what we see. But we see that the willingness is not there for a lot of these organizations. But then again, when you have 5,000 engineers and you want to kind of transition from a few releases a month to weekly and maybe even daily releases, of course, it's hard on the organization to get to that mindset because one thing is the tooling and the kind of automation around that. The other thing is the human aspect and and how you need to rethink and reorganize kind of the internal processes around this. Yeah. Changing mindset is always the most difficult thing, isn't it? So it's, uh, yeah. you understand there's barriers there. So I suppose, obviously, efficient software development is core of what Unleash does, what does it actually mean to you? And I think anything worth doing is worth measuring. So how do you measure efficiency? I think it's a great question. And I think it all comes down to how you look at software, kind of what is software today? And I think kind of we have moved like 20 years ago, plus like back in the old days, building software was like this huge thing that we did. It was like almost like building a bridge, like we put like hundreds and hundreds of people onto a huge project we built for a long time and then we were done it's like when you're building a bridge it's basically done when you have built it maybe there is some maintenance but kind of the effort is before it's actually built the challenge is that software is not like that anymore in in most companies software is an integrated part of the business it's like how you make money and it means that you have moved away from this big bang and a waterfall type of processes into a more like you're constantly evolving your product. You're constantly improving capabilities. You're constantly adding new capabilities. And that means that the ability to change your software is actually how I think about efficiency. How fast can you change and improve what you're doing? And then you need to look at, so how can you measure this part? And and to me, that is is coming back to, and, and I'm looking at it from a very technical side because of my background, and, and I'm always looking to kind of the Dora metrics, the state of DevOps, and it's all about like how, how often do you actually deploy to production? It's about how long does it take from you write some code and you commit it until it's actually out in production. But you also have to balance that part with... Uh, with the failure rates, like if you deploy all the time, but you just create a lot of errors in production, that's not good, of course. So you have to kind of 
balance this and if failures happen, you also have to be able to tackle that and, and re- resolve that and, and, and make the production version of your product healthy again, fast. So I think kind of to me, this is kind of what I think about efficiency. And obviously that's the technical side of it. And this is something that you can measure on a day-to-day basis. Ultimately, to me, this is again, how you should really validate that you have an efficient software kind of process is obviously to look at the success of the company, but that's very lagging. You cannot do that in practice. No, no. And is this one of the, the core features of what Unleash does to help people actually efficiently measure the releases and so on? Yeah, so we are moving in that direction. We don't have too many capabilities around this yet, but given that you're using Unleash to kind of control the features you're building, we can give some information at least around how long does it take from you start building something till you start enabling it for end users. So these are one of the, the components that we are running an experiment with our customers and end users of Unleash. And, and we believe we can, because Unleash is a part of your building process, we actually have access to a lot of these data and can make that available in our products. So this is something that we are really investing in now to make this data available for everyone using Unleash. Yeah, because I think ultimately, I think with anything, if you have the data, you can act on it and improve and go through that kind of cycle of improvements. Exactly. So, you know, surfacing it and visualizing it or presenting it in whatever way is hugely helpful. And I think it's huge progress. Look, there's obviously, you know better than I do, but there is, you know, a huge amount of software tools out there today. In your opinion, how can SDLC process be actually simplified um, and gonna kind of give clarity. This is a huge topic and there is tough I think it's somewhat contextual to the company and, and what they need, but I strongly believe that tools can help, definitely. And and it can help in terms of simplifying and makes processes more efficient and but it can also improve the quality of the process itself or the, the kind of delivery process. And the most obvious thing, we already touched on that, automation. Obviously, a, a machine will always do the same thing every time you, you run it. While a human, if it, a human is doing a very repetitive task, a human will sometimes forget, get distracted, will not always be able to reproduce the same output, which leads to errors. So kind of everything where you have something and deploying software to a server, that is a very repetitive task. You should not do that manually. I think the industry has learned that. But you can also use tools, like you said, get more insight, get visibility into bottlenecks. Where are we? For instance, it could be if you have dependencies between teams, are we always waiting for other teams? You can use tools to visualize this. And you also can obviously use observability in terms of just performance and and errors. And this can allow you to detect problems before they actually hit your users. So you can do measures. You can even see, for instance, if you have a memory leak, you can often detect that before your application actually crashes. And tools are great to help with these things. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's just the way the world has gone. I mean, just anything that's manual, repetitive is just going to be automated and tools are are the best way to do that. And, you know, I don't think that trend isn't going to stop anytime soon is what I would say. But uh, you talked about kind of ship early and ship off and kind of philosophy do you believe that is the way forward or is there any scenarios where, you know, actually that's just not the, not the right approach? For most products, I, I strongly believe that this is the right approach. And again, it's about breaking up what you're trying to do into smaller pieces and try to get that out as soon as possible. And it doesn't mean that you have to turn it on 
for everyone immediately. And then again, that's what Unleash helps you with. It allows you to take down the risk. You can enable it just for yourself initially. But then you can start testing it on a very small controlled group of people, people you trust, maybe internal people, internal stakeholders. Could also be certain customers that are kind of working very closely with on these specific features that you're developing. And the purpose is obviously to get feedback, make sure that it actually works, uh, works the way it's intended, it solves the right problem in a meaningful way. And kind of just this way of working also takes away some of the burden on the developers, like having a lot of undelivered functionality that you're building, that's cognitive overhead for the developers. So if you wrote something for a very long time ago and then suddenly you put it into production, it's really hard to remember exactly what you changed there and and why it might not work exactly how it's intended to work. But if that kind of if it just hours from you write the code until it's running in production, it's very easy to do those correlation if you see some spikes in, in some of your metrics that you are monitoring. So I think kind of all of this just reduces the stress level on the software team itself. It just takes away a lot of that that stress and, and you can get that feedback faster when you still remember what you actually did. It's a great point, but it's also just the, I think the word you mentioned was risk as well. I think when reducing risk and, and speed, uh, I think is really important. And it's, it's an incredible factor in particularly the accelerating the feedback process. So it's, as you said, you're not waiting a month. It's of huge benefit. Can you talk to me kind of like how you see speed in the software development process and how that can be achieved, basically? Yeah, and I think just want to clarify, like speed in itself is not the goal, I guess. Okay. So it's not about how fast you write software. That is not the goal. I think this is, to me, it's more about how fast can we get feedback on what we're doing on, on our plans, on, on the big kind of thing that we're trying to solve for users? And to me, that comes down to a couple of things. It's one thing is obviously what we already talked about, how fast can you actually deploy that into production? That is one part of that. And that's very technical. And at some point, it doesn't matter anymore. It's like, if it takes one minute or if it takes one second, that is not very move the needle. It's like, at some point, it's fast enough. But then there is other parts, like how do you actually then get feedback? And, and the question is, what is feedback? What are we talking about? And, and that can be a bunch of things. But for me, it's, I try to break it up into various aspects. Like you have one part that is the technical aspect, like the performance, uh, are we response times? Are they still in, within our acceptable levels? And because we know a slow, sluggish application, that would impact user behavior very badly, but also other technical aspects like, are there actually any error codes or errors in the logs? And that is something that we usually use like APM or application performance monitoring to kind of control. The other part of feedback to me is is kind of more the product metrics. Like one thing is, are they actually adopting that new capability that we invest in? That is one part of it. But also if they are, those users, and maybe you create some cohort or some part of your user that you allow to test that new functionality. How does that impact your most important product metrics? And that could be KPIs, like depending on your context, of course, it could be that you want your user to spend more time in your product, or maybe it's less time because it's an efficiency tool, or it's about watching number of minutes in if you're Netflix, for instance. Uh, it could be many different things, but you want to measure these things that you care about. How do the people that you're now building this for, how is that affecting them? And, and that's super important. 
And these things are things you can measure. But then there is one last thing that I often feel like we forget sometimes in this modern world where everything is supposed to go so fast. And that is the part where you actually go talk to your users because you're building this for human beings. And it's so easy to just go to, like, we have to measure everything. And that's great. But sometimes it's very impactful to go have a conversation with your users and and you obviously are not, I'm not talking about talking to every millions of your user. If you have millions of users, of course not, but maybe you have small user groups or depending, like we are a B2B company. We are building for other companies. So we, we track actually every kind of problem that is coming from our customers. And we know exactly when we are trying to out new solutions, we know which customer raised these concerns or these kind of needs. We enable specifically for those customers and we reach out to them, like informing them, like now we are actually building a solution for this problem. Can you please give us some feedback? Does this actually solve your problem? Are there things that we haven't understood yet? And it's so impactful when you do this kind of human touch on it. Yeah, massive. It just, it closes the loop. It gives everybody confidence. You you confidence that you're building the right thing for the actual people that are going to use it. It's amazing that people don't actually do it, if I'm being brutally honest. And it's actually a super hack trick for your customer success team, because now they actually have something to talk with your customers about. Instead of like, hey, how are you doing? It's like, hey, you asked about us solving this problem, and now we have a solution for that. Could you please give me like 10 minutes and provide feedback on that? It's just amazing. Yeah, it's got double-edged benefit because it it obviously gives you clarity, but it all, uh, like the tech team's clarity, but customers builds a huge amount of brand loyalty as well. They like to be involved with, particularly when they're contributing to the quality of the product, they get a lot more invested into it. So exactly, it's like, if people aren't doing it, they should be doing it basically and a very simple, uh, very simple message. Uh, really, really good point. Look, the tip of everybody's tongue at the moment is AI. There's tons about it. You can't go anywhere without hearing about it. So where do you see AI having the most impactful effect on software teams in the near future? So I think we already see some of the impact, like you have the co-pilots. Myself, I've been using GitHub Copilot for a while now, and, and obviously it's helping a lot, kind of that part. It, already, I see like a developer can increase their productivity, maybe 10 to 20% already, just by using available tools today. And it's fantastic. And, and, and where it has proven, at least for me personally, has proven a lot of value in those you have some boilerplate parts of your code where you just have to do certain things in a certain way or some part of repetitive things that you are doing. And it just helps you accelerate writing those more boring parts of your application. And I think what we have seen the culture of like in the near future is that we would just see a bit more of that. We will just see more of the assistant type of coding that is so how I see this kind of in the next few years is that we will move from maybe that 10 to 20% efficiency gain for developers to maybe 50% at some point. Wow, that's a big jump. I believe this can happen quite soon, but it will still be a developer like writing the code, It's but it will help you accelerate that process. It's the assistant or support kind of mechanism basically to make you more efficient and productive, isn't it? And like we see that uh, with a number of our, our customers as well. And it's maybe not at that level of, of productivity, basically, but we definitely see it with that same vein that's kind of the co-pilot support. So I think, I think you're on the money there for sure. Okay. Um, I suppose just to 
finish up and you know, thank you for coming on. Can you share, you've obviously learned a huge amount. You've, you've clearly drawn on many sources. Can you share any recommendations or any books, podcasts, or any knowledge sources that you've actually kind of come away thinking or, you know, a couple of years ongoing that has been serious, you know, has a massive impact on helping you in your career? Absolutely. I think actually I want to go back to, to the, or almost like the origin of DevOps, like the Phoenix Project. You probably read that book, at least heard about it. And to me, this is a very, very great introduction to DevOps. It will not learn you DevOps. It will not learn you the tools, but it will put it into a context on why it's important, why it's matter for the success of the businesses. So if you are not too into DevOps already or want a refresher in a very, almost like a story, kind of fiction story, I will definitely read Phoenix Project if you haven't done that already. Uh, another book is uh, Accelerate. That is kind of the book. So, so I already mentioned the Dora metrics and the yearly kind of state of DevOps report. The Accelerate is the book that kind of summarizes four years of those uh, reports and, and it puts us all in context. Why are we talking about these specific metrics to measure kind of efficient software team? Why does it matter? How does it look like? What does the great teams actually, how do they actually work? Which tools do they use? Which techniques do they use? So to me, this was a very great write-up, backed all with data. So, so really, really nice. Other books, I think, uh, interesting enough, uh, Skin in the Game by Nassim Taleb is also a book I really enjoyed reading. And I think it's important just as it's an interesting book because it's kind of it points to the to how important it is to align incentives with outcomes and, and a lot of great examples in this book and how, how bad it can be if those two things are not aligned. Yeah, there's a great quote by, I think it's a Charlie Munger from uh, Berkshire Hathaway, show me, show me the incentive and I'll tell you the outcome. Yeah, exactly. And other than that, I listen to a bunch of both podcasts, I think maybe... Of course, I'm very into open source. So I listen to the business of open source. It gives you kind of this overview of interesting open source projects that are appearing. And, and I also listen quite a lot to some of the HBR, uh, Harvard Business Review podcast. They are great in terms of business and management, if you're into that. And, and there is a bunch of others. I think the one that I most frequently listen to is, is the ThoughtWorks Technology podcast. So it gives you just tech deep dive type of sessions. Great. Okay. Lots of uh, great, great sources there. Well, thank you so much. Uh, really, really enjoyed that call. Thank you for coming and yeah, hopefully catch you soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was uh, amazing. Great to have you. The Story of Software Podcast is a Zartist production brought to you by Adnan Tuker, Lariana Fantoni and Evan Sheehan. 